Hey, what's up, guys? It's Dan from United Q. It's Wednesday, which means we have another awesome podcast to get you over hump day. I'm here with my co-host, Barbecue Forte. Hello. We are brought to you by ProQ, Barbecue Gourmet, and Smokewood Shack, our awesome sponsors. ProQ is dedicated to providing you with quality smoking products with top-notch service and free advice for beginners to pitmasters. And you can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under ProQ Smokers. So if you think about buying your first smoker or looking to upgrade or even looking to pick up some epic accessories, check them out over at Max Barbecue. And Barbecue Gourmet is devoted to promoting real barbecue and supplying the UK and Europe with top championship winning barbecue rubs, sauces, marinades and accessories from the US and around the world. And you can find them on Twitter and online under Barbecue Gourmet. So regardless of how you cook, whether it's on charcoal, wood, gas or electric, the real taste of barbecue can be yours all year round. And on today's show, we've got Richard Holden. Richard, hello. Hello, how are you? We're really good, thanks. How about yourself? Good, thanks. Yep, yep, really cool. good. Can awesome you, to have you on. introduce yourself to everyone, please? Well, my name is Richard Holden, and um, I have my own company, Richard Holden BBQ, for anybody that doesn't know. Um, started last year, last May, after working in the barbecue industry for about three and a half, four years, and uh, now specialise in, in helping retailers, certain retailers, promote products within store demonstrations and events as well as doing kind of bespoke in-home events as well, so going into people's private homes and doing cookery classes or a little bit of catering and things like that. So that's what I do. Awesome. So people could book you to come to their house and give you a give a personal barbecue experience? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, as you can imagine at the moment, things are starting to pick up for this season, so um, it's the inquiries are starting to come in. Mm starting to come in and it's quite nice what do you have is it is that generally like just home cooks that want to learn how to do a bit more on the barbecue or do you go down to like pit masters wanting to find out more what's your kind of market i think it's um you know you, you've hit on two markets there. i think my market and this has been discussed on the forums a little bit in the past my market's more the, the home cook versus the competition cook. Mm-hmm. Um, it's people that have got the barbecues and they want to know how to get more out of them. They've read certain things that they can do on their barbecue, but some people are quite comfortable to just follow a recipe and get on with it and kind of figure it out themselves. And some people need a bit more kind of um, hand-holding and, and need to see it physically and actually get on with it as well um, with the support of somebody to help them. So it's mainly the, the, uh, the outdoor enthusiast, the outdoor cook enthusiast, um, yeah, awesome. the competition. Cool. So just to touch on your background, you're a trained chef that just loves barbecue and got into it that way, or, or where did it all begin? Yeah, I, I took a career change in 2011, and I went back to a cookery school, uh, or I, I enrolled on a cookery school course in um, in Woking in Syria. I went to the Tom Marie Cookery Academy, um, and I did my did my Cordon Bleu diploma on my level four, and then from there I went into corporate catering, for the Olympics with McLaren, and then at the end of that season, at the end of the 2012 games, I was looking for a job, and there was there was an opportunity for a um, a demonstration chef with some instruction in there as well, because the company who didn't have their name on on the job advertisement at the time had a cookery school, and I went into it because I wanted to teach people to cook, because I saw a massive discrepancy between the amount of food on TV and the actual amount of cooking that people do at home. Um, so I wanted to cook and I wanted to learn how, I wanted to learn how to teach people to cook and this, this job came up and, and that job ended up with, uh, being with Weber Barbecues and I was based at their Grill Academy in Oxford and I was also on that amazing bit of kit, the 1975, um, Airstream that we toured around the country with myself and, uh, Dan Cooper. 
So it was, um, yeah, that was how I got into it, really. Uh, my sister was the first one in our family to do the indirect, and she was over in Canada, and she was doing legs of lamb and uh, vegetables on the barbecue and all sorts of stuff. And, you know, as as, uh, as the uninitiated, we would sit there and just be kind of wide-eyed at these treats that she was bringing off the barbecue and just astounded and also just really grateful because it was amazingly tasty <laughs> food. But um, that's, that's how I got into it, really. And it was, it was more by kind of happy coincidence than than uh, any kind of planning on my part. And now your job is sort of giving people that experience that you had seeing those amazing things that can be produced in the barbecue, actually giving that to other people now, which is which must be an epic job in itself. It is. It's, um, it's very rewarding. You know, you go out and, and people are enthused by these products they've invested because I, you know, I don't take it for granted that these pieces of equipment that people buy aren't cheap. Um, and part of my recommendation is that you get something that will last. Um, but it's the, you're, you're in a way, you're, um, you're helping people achieve the food, but you know that by achieving a certain dish on the barbecue or achieving a certain cookery te- cooking technique on the barbecue, you're actually allowing people and, and giving them the opportunity to have those amazing um, outdoor cooking experiences. Uh, I know listening to the other podcasts, there's a lot of people that you speak to on here that have the amazing outside cooking areas and you know, Marcus have that amazing sounding outside living room with cinema screen and everything. And not everybody has that. But my thing is, yes, you can eat outside if, you, if the weather's great and if you have a shelter like that. But just because you cook outside, you don't need to eat outside if the weather's not right. But there's no reason not to be cooking outside just because the weather's not perfect. Yeah, um, definitely. So we're definitely with you there. We're out there, whatever the weather. It's not always about just being yeah. outside. It's, it's a different way of cooking. And it tastes, the food yeah. tastes different. That's why we're doing it. We're not just doing it just to be awkward and get wet in the rain we were outside with four barbecues and that massive storm that hit us last weekend we were me and ben were outside it was like a blowing an absolute storm and we were we still lost our gazebo <laughs> yeah i was gonna say the forums were just going mad with the um or everybody just sharing just saying i'm cooking outside the yeah. weekend it was when it was not very nice i think it was storm katie and the forums were just going mad with everybody cooking outside and just saying, I'm still doing it, I'm still doing it, look at me. Yeah, great, great. yeah you've got to prove yourself, yeah. haven't you? I think I'm pretty sure I've already said before, I've proved myself now, I don't need to do it anymore, but I still do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like battle wounds, though, if you're like a, like a seasoned fighter, you've got these battle wounds yeah. and scars. If you're a seasoned barbecuer, you've got to have a few pictures of you outside with like a sideways umbrella. And yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I conquered uh, Hurricane Katie, not, not a problem. <laughs> yeah, not a problem, been there, done that. Uh, give me the next one yeah, yeah. we did a tri-tip whilst there's hurricane katie on no problem yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. so so what what do you cook on mostly then luke not sorry luke so. what do i cook on mostly well um i know you said that your sponsors are very kindly um you know allow you to talk about other things i was um i was very generously given quite a considerable amount of equipment by Weber when I left. Um, they were very shrewd and very smart and knew that if they gave me equipment that I would use it. <laughs> and um, ultimately that that benefits quite a few people. So um, I was very, very grateful and there was quite a lot of social media activity around that time when, when those literally pallets were being delivered to my house. Um, so I cook on gas, I, took on, I cook on charcoal, I use the smokers as well. Um, there's a few things that we're going to talk about in a little while as well, but... Um, you know, the, the charcoals, uh, the big gas barbecues, but mainly at the moment, the Webers, because that's, that's my, that's my kind of, um, 
area of expertise having worked for them for three and a half years yeah, yeah cool i've watched loads of the videos that you you well uh, the demos that you've done but they've been filmed as well and i've watched loads of them like that's some of the things i've i learned a lot of stuff from as did well you watch so the one hour 40 epic is that the one you mean? Yeah, the one hour was, forty epic. That yeah, it was that one, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah, it yeah. astounds me that people watch that. It's, <laughs> it's amazing. It, you know, we had Russell said that we had um, a few months ago before Christmas. We actually had somebody email all the way from New Zealand saying that they watched the whole thing and that they were just so grateful that he'd actually invested in getting the camera crew down that night and filming it and putting it online for everybody else to see. So it's um, yeah. I always envisage people kind of drawing the curtains and getting a big bowl of popcorn and just sitting there for a... <laughs> yeah, it's quite accurate. That's sort of yeah. what happened. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> so yeah. when... Sort of last year, you said you, you started you started your own company, so it's Richard Holden Barbecue. Yeah. And and what yeah. is the sort of ethos of the company or what, what are you all about? I know you said about doing sort of the home the home demonstrations, but uh, also, like, what what are you about? I want to I wanna kind of revolutionise the UK barbecue scene. I know there's a... You know, there's there's a, a good number of people that are interested in doing the same thing. Uh, we all know we all know Marcus uh, with the UK Barbecue Mag, and he's doing amazing things. As are other people as well. Um, but I want to revolutionise this this kind of culture that it's got to be a perfect day, and it's it's got to be a certain. You know, we've all got to be outside, and 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 we've it's all about grilling, and it's not because when you look at what people eat in general, yes, their diets change from you know the food that they cook changes from summer to winter. Uh, we do them. We do bigger pieces in the winter. We use the oven more in winter um, than we do in the summer. And I wanna, I wanna just help people understand that they can cook these things outside. And as you mentioned earlier on, there are there are benefits to cooking things outside. You can get flavors that you can that you can't get in the kitchen. Um, your food's juicier. Um, um, and I would, you know, anybody that's been to my demos would know that we that I would say we have perfect weather in this country for using barbecues regularly. Um, everybody, everybody kind of stands there with their mouths open when I say that, but I honestly think we have perfect weather for using our barbecues. Um, and there's a difference between using your barbecue and having a barbecue. Um, but it's about really, really good produce. Um, I have a background, um, I have a background in the meat trade from a young age. Our neighbors in Lancashire, they had a, they had a farm shop and uh, they still do actually, um, very successful farm shop. And I was working there as a Saturday boy from a very tender young age of nine um, in the in the years before child labour and anything like that, but it's all good. Um, it never did me any harm. But it's I want to I want to help people understand what they get when they go to a butcher and they get meat from a butcher, how that affects the whole supply chain from farmer all the way through to the butcher and the end and the, you know the end person that eats it ultimately and what benefit that has, um, and just just help people understand that they can have fun with it and it doesn't need to be stressful. And you can be in control of your barbecue. And just because it's been cooked on a barbecue doesn't mean to say that it has to be burnt. Um, one of the things that really annoys me is when people say, oh, it's fine, it's been cooked on a barbecue, it's fine that it has a burnt taste, or it's fine that it's, it's slightly cremated on the outside. And I just think there's no excuse for that because I'm on my soapbox now. But I think, you know, ultimately, somebody's worked hard to produce that food, that meat, um, so that animal. The, the butcher's worked hard to bring that to the counter um, and somebody, and you paid for it, and and it's no less valuable than if you were to cook that same leg of lamb or piece of pork or piece of beef or whatever meat it is. Vegetables are available, um, but you know the meat. <laughs> so the meat heard. is the meat. So you've heard, so we've all heard. You know, meat is meat, and 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 well, I, not really, but good meat is good meat, and it shouldn't really be 
downgraded just because it's cooked on the barbecue. It should have its moment. It should have its moment to sing and be the centerpiece of a table and and allow a family to have that great memory Definitely. of a great meal with with um, with the with the kind of you know um, social side of of uh, a gathering like that. You said so much there that I want to touch on, but but firstly, one of the things you said at the start, which sort of resounded in my head, there was the like there is a difference between barbecuing and and having a barbecue, and yeah, and yeah I suppose that yeah, like we barbecue, we actually cook on the barbecue five five plus days a week, but actually we don't have a barbecue, we don't have people around no. sitting outside in the rain with right. us. Yeah, we're out there because we love it, and and that's the way we yeah. prefer to cook. But like yeah. you can go out and barbecue and still take the food into the kitchen and eat in the kitchen or yeah. sit on the yeah. sit on the sofa with a, yeah. a rib or whatever like it's you can prep absolutely. in the kitchen as well you don't need to be like outside cutting it all up you can do your prep it's just yeah. your oven if you want to cook in a smoky oven outside then that's what you're going to do it adds a different dimension to your cooking adds a different dimension there's 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 a few, you know there's many things that i say in my demos and many things that you kind of learn over the years that people respond to and one of the one of my things is you know anybody like cleaning their oven not many people respond to that one so i say well my top tip for cleaning your oven is stop using it use your barbecue (laughs) you can can use your barbecue in exactly the same way that you use your oven you can control the temperature you can set up an indirect heat zone and you can roast anything on it from a pavlova to the christmas turkey it's all at your fingertips it's just you know your own imagination that limits you so we definitely agree with you there yeah yeah, definitely, hundred percent. I mean, it's actually it was it was barbecue. It was Ben that actually introduced me to the sort of uh, dessert side of things. He cooks a lot of cakes and stuff, and that inspired me to get involved on that side of things. But you you also do that as well. You 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 have the whole dessert dimension with your your style of cooking on the barbecue as well, don't you? Yeah, it. it I guess it all goes back to when we when we put the demos together for Weber. Um, we would always do a grill, roast, a smoke, and a bake because they're your four, you know, they're the four things that they're known for, and then they obviously have other bits and bobs that go in their barbecues as well. Um, and the bake was always one of those things. I think, you know, people expect you to do something a little bit off the wall and a little bit out there. So, you know, a beer butt chicken or something like that, yeah, 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 you've roasted a chicken, you know, basically with something else. And I think if you can bake a chocolate brownie or you can do a sponge cake or you can do a chocolate cake, I know one year we did... Um, we did like a raspberry, orange, and pistachio cake, and it just went down an absolute storm. And even um, kind of sweet, but verging on the savory as well, we did a cornbread one year to go with the chili con carne. And, you know, I don't always expect people to go home and recreate the baking on the barbecue, but for me, it, it's, it's, it's kind of one of those things where it's like a line in the sand that says, look, okay, your, your kind of skepticism needs to stop about this whole outside cooking thing because it is real, you can do it, and if I can bake a cake on a barbecue and you like it, then you can do anything on your barbecue. There's no limit. You know, it is just indirect heat if you're doing, a, if you're doing something like that and control the temperature, lid down, and away you go. So the, the baking, and also I have quite a large sweet tooth. So... Um, <laughs> It's it's just always a little guilty treat that I add in there. It goes back to like what you said there about like your your sister and and her sort of showing you what can like those amazing things that can be done on it. It's yeah. like opening your eyes to what can be done on a barbecue, yeah. and I yeah. suppose it, it gives you that factor again of like when whenever we say like okay, like Ben's one is is a bar- is a pineapple upside down cake, and when mm. when you yeah, I bake a cake or I did a brownie uh, last week or the weekend. I cooked a, a, a really awesome uh, brownie on the barbecue, and and people just 
it's another wow factor that they 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 understand that there's actually there is there is really nothing that you cannot cook on the barbecue no. and 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 that is something that we we both believe in and and it's it's something you believe in as well which is awesome on the yeah. dessert front richard what would be your ultimate favorite dessert that you could ever serve if you're going to try and impress someone on the barbecue um if i was going to impress someone i would there's two answers to that one is if i was going to impress someone i would do a pavlova okay because to do a pavlova is everybody knows is quite it's not it's not tricky let's not let's not kind of overcomplicate this thing like they do on tv often um it's just egg white sugar a bit of cream of tartar and some vinegar um whisked up and away you go but it's controlling that temperature it's that precision it's that ability to have command of your cooking implement and that is a wow factor mm-hmm. um if i was going to have a guilty pleasure on what i would cook on the barbecue it would be sticky toffee pudding yeah because I'm a northern lad, and sticky toffee pudding, either with ice cream or custard, is just to die for. So, yeah, see, there's two answers to that one. If I'm going to impress somebody else, then it would be the pavlova. If it was for myself, then it would be sticky toffee pudding. Yeah, we love sticky toffee pudding. We we were trying one out the other day, and we did like a bourbon whipped cream with it as well, and it was just a lot. Oh. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Get hungry now. <laughs> yeah. That's the only problem with these conversations, yeah. these podcast guys, yeah. is that when you're, when you're driving along, because I listen to them when I'm driving along, and you just you just you just want to eat whatever people are yeah. talking about. <laughs> so yeah, it's good. It's good. Don't know me. I keep flicking through your website as well, looking at stuff you've been cooking on here. Recipes as like a carrot and banana cake, or Guinness cake. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, I'm so hungry now. Well, it's, there's there's been a few cakes recently. We did a photo shoot back in February with a, an amazing photographer that I know, and um, he's credited on my website, George, and. Um, he uh we did we did some we did some uh cakes because um it was St Patrick's Day so we did a chocolate Guinness cake for St Patrick's Day because it's cake and who doesn't love cake and it's in my repertoire for some of my courses and um it was International Carrot Day yesterday did you know obviously I don't know when this podcast is going to go out but we're recording it the day after International Carrot Day so I did a carrot and banana cake for the for the website and the the recipe download so yeah quite a few awesome. cakes on there but there's there's lots of recipes to come and it's just dripping dripping them out as mm. and when things come up so i love carrot cake yeah. uh, carrot cakes are probably one of my favorite cakes so i'll definitely try well, that <laughs> just getting the getting the vegetables in there you know it's like a red velvet cake and maybe mm. beetroot it's a nice way of adding a vegetable and getting some extra moisture into your baking yeah keeping things nice and moist i was going to ask you what sort of fuels you use but you are sort of an advocate of, of like all fuels aren't you, you use briquettes lump wood gas you're, you're a bit of everything aren't you yeah it depends what you're cooking uh you know if the, the great if you're a gas if you if you have a gas barbecue you never have to think about it and and again it's one of the things that um i was talking to um I was talking to a few com- uh, a few people recently. I've spoken to Matt from Oxford Charcoal and um, and Mark from uh, uh, Lord Logs. Logs and Lord Logs as as is. And um, you know, it's I want to help people. I want to I want people to understand that when they have a charcoal barbecue, not all charcoal is created equally. And again, in the same way that meat, you get what you pay for. You get what you pay for with the with the charcoals, um, the gas the gas cookers you don't have any decision on that. You just get the bottle that fits the barbecue that you bought and you only really have one one option, so you don't have that. Whereas when you have a lumpwood or a, when you have a solid fuel barbecue, you can go to the petrol station, you can go to the box store on the retail park, you can go to the supermarket, or you can go to a proper barbecue specialist who will have products in that do what they're meant to do. So 
you know, it's Longwood doesn't all behave the same. Briquettes don't behave the same. But no, I, I would, I would briquettes or Longwood. You know, it, it just depends what you're cooking. If it's a short time, I would generally go for uh, Longwood, and if it's a long cook, I would generally go for briquettes. Cool. Just for the stability, as a as a as a basic rule for somebody somebody trying to understand the differences between the two, I would that would be my distinction between the two. Yeah. Awesome. If that answers your question, yeah, de- yeah, definitely does. <laughs> um, so I was looking. I've, I've just stumbled across another recipe now. I'm really loving your website. The photos are awesome as well. George <laughs> has done a good job. <laughs> George George has done an amazing job, and the two guys. Um, because the guys have done such an amazing job, they, I made sure that they gave themselves credit on the bottom of every page. So Darren is the designer and Tom is the coder. Um, Darren got more credit for the website because people know what a designer does. Tom, um, not many people apparently know what coding is. So <laughs> Tom's done an amazing job. And George, the photography is just outstanding. So really, really happy with those with the guys and what they've done with it. And happy for them to use it as a showcase if they want. Mm. But you found another recipe, sorry. Yeah, well, I, was just, I like the porchetta one. It looks oh, awesome. Oh, the porchetta, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's... Um, You're right to share nice one of these cool. recipes with people because obviously everyone can go and check them out on your website, but it might be nice to put one out there now. Give us a quick run-through of what, what goes into making this. Oh, so the porchetta. Um, well, the porchetta recipe is available for download off my website on my blog. Um, we'll give the web address later on, I'm sure. But the, um, it's, I use a belly pork, a boneless belly pork, and you take the rind off because you're going to roll it up like a Swiss roll, so I want that. I separate the rind so that it will just be on the outside to get nice and crispy. Um, so lay the, lay the belly pork out, season with um, molten sea salt and some freshly ground black pepper nice and evenly all over one. Um, take some fennel seeds, depending on the size of the pork loin, if it's a full, sorry, pork belly, if it's a full pork belly, probably about four or five tablespoons of, of uh, fennel seeds. Just give those a good work in, in a pestle and mortar and scatter those evenly across the across the belly pork. Um, what else have we got on there? We've got, I think, parsley. We've got sage, uh, thyme. Um, you're looking at the recipe. I'm, I'm yeah, trying to recall it from memory. And, and but, uh, that's, you've done pretty well. You've got all of it apart from lemon. some zest of lemon. And, yeah. then, <laughs> and then the zest of lemon. And I was thinking about them in order of putting them on as well, and I know that the lemon zest goes on last. Um, so the lemon, and then the zest of, of one or two lemons, and then roll that up um, into a large twist roll so that the seams underneath. Put the belly fat over the top, make sure that it's scored nicely, um, and then use a large piece of butcher's twine to just string that up, nice and nice and evenly. You don't want to secure it too tightly because you'll restrict the juices in the middle of the meat to the following. Um, and then a little tip that I I picked up for doing the crackling is before you put the salt on the outside, actually put it on a wire rack over the kitchen sink and pour a, a kettle of scalding water over the outside of that pork loin. And what it will start to do is it will heat up the fat that's underneath the rind on the pork belly skin, mm. and it will also open up the score marks so that when... So that Chinese method, they, they do that in that's a sort of like a chi- old Chinese way of cooking. It's where they get like the sucking yeah. pig and stuff, They and the yeah. duck as well. They, they blanch it, don't they, in like a auto blanch yeah. it? They, they dip, they put it into boiling water. They and, dip it in. It, yeah. it, it just it, it starts to um, it gives the it gives the fat and underneath the rind it gives it a head start on on the actual muscle of the meat. So it you know sometimes when you cook pork the the crackling isn't ready by the time the pork is ready. Um, well, if if that's the case, the meat needs to rest anyway. So just take the rind off and put it back on the barbecue and let it crisp up. Mm. But um, if you just pour scalding water over it, a kettle full of boiling water, it will just open up those score marks, 
heat up the fat underneath and it will allow, it will just make it easier for the, uh, the fat to just render out. Pat it dry with a tea towel and just sprinkle on some more salt and rub it well into those scores and then you're ready to go. I think around about 160 degrees C cool. in direct heat. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't yeah, put any like, oil on the outside. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you a... Uh, Hundred percent for that, I think. To be honest, <laughs> yeah, this looks looks Thanks awesome. Yeah, um, you could put a little bit of oil on the outside, but you're going to get enough. You're going to get enough fat kind of rendering out of that skin yeah. and uh, out of the rind. Um, yeah. It's completely up to you, though. Any oil that you do put on the outside will just help the sea flakes to stick and yeah. to make sure that that that, cra- uh, that crackling is nice and salty when you when you eat it later on. Awesome. So for a guy with such a large sort of repertoire of recipes and someone who sort of tries to push the limits of what can be cooked on a barbecue, do you have a sort of, do you have at all like a standard cook or do you have a favourite cook on the barbecue that like every time, I don't know, like say you've got, you're not cooking for, uh, I don't know, a picture or you're not developing a recipe, it's something you turn back to and just love to cook on a regular basis for the barbecue? Uh, you can say not really if, if you don't really. It's just a... <laughs> no, I, I, I do, but I don't. I, that doesn't really answer your question. What I mean by that is one of my favorite meals is just a Sunday roast. Yeah. And it could be beef, pork, lamb, turkey, it, you know, chicken. It, I think because a, a Sunday roast brings people together and it's the social side as well as the food side of it. And that's kind of going back to what I was talking about earlier on with the ethos. Um, it's... It's a Sunday roast, and and having the barbecue repertoire, it's also if I it's a go to recipe would be ribs, pork ribs because, and I'm not I don't want to sound cocky when I say this, but they're so simple to do, and you know people are amazed when you do them, and, and they realise how few steps there are in in the preparation and in the cooking, um, but you know and if anybody wants to learn more, then they can just tweet me or Facebook me or come on one of my courses, but um, it's. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, shameless plug. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, you were thinking that I said it. But um, it's, you know, a Sunday roast, it's it's a meal, it's a big meal, it's about getting people together and just sharing good food. Yeah, I definitely it's agree with you. It's like my family favourite. Every every Sunday without fail, our, our roast dinner is done on the barbecue. That's how it is. Yeah. And like literally, yeah. you've just said almost what I did this, this Sunday, just gone. I've literally just done like a rack of pork ribs and full yeah. roast dinner. And that was it. It's the first time we've had ribs and a roast dinner before to be honest we normally have something yeah. more more of a chicken or a beef or something or a lamb or pork or anything but yeah. we've never had just pork ribs and a roast dinner well, one but of, it was lush <laughs> yeah one of one of the reasons why i do i don't necessarily focus too much on the american style of barbecue um and the reason for that is because people will get there if they're interested um the way that i try to entice people into using their barbecue is to show them dishes that they can identify with. You show them a roast chicken. Oh, we had roast chicken on Sunday with you know for Sunday dinner. Or you show them a leg of lamb. You show them the porchetta. You show them um, for this month. We've got the recipe coming up for later this month because it's St George's Day. Um, we are doing a river beef with a herby mustard crust on the outside of it. Mm. So I'm showing people dishes that they can identify with and they have a slight barbecue twist to them. It might be a bit of wood smoke. It might be something else. But if I can show people a dish that they can identify with, then they know what the final outcome should taste like so they know they've got it right. Um, and then then they'll go off and explore and they'll come back and they'll ask for things like pulled pork shoulder and, and ribs and brisket and the American classics. 
Um, but if I can show them something that they can identify with as British fare, then that might just make them think, oh, this, this barbecue malarkey is actually everyday food. Yeah, definitely. I think that's, that's really how I started, to be honest. Like, it was only once I'd got, I got my first like Weber kettle and that sort of got me like really hooked on barbecue and yeah. probably seeing someone like yourself doing like demos at like Fermoy's, our local like garden center and okay. seeing all these different things being cooked. And it wasn't about American barbecue. It was just about cooking on the barbecue and doing something different. And it wasn't until yeah. I got really into it and I'd cooked everything <laughs> that I normally cook on the barbecue that I then started to venture out into the like you can see American that way. In his recipes, you can see that sort of the flavours and stuff being used are your sort of traditional British mm-hmm. ingredients rather than pulling in the <coughs> sort of all the US sort of style of things. And, and that, that's yeah. that's interesting in itself. And and yeah, so... Yeah, looking forward to your, your beef there. I did a, a few few weeks ago, I did a... Um, just a joint of beef and I did like a South Carolina mustard with a herby sort of crust with panko breadcrumbs on the outside of it and it was really really nice so I'm looking forward to Beautiful. trying yours out when it comes Beautiful. I think I think the other thing as well is if, um, you know again if people are interested in the American thing there's slight differences in the ingredients that you have in your store cupboard whereas if I show somebody um, you know the river beef that's coming out is going to have some whole grain mustard on it it's going to have some chopped rosemary some parsley um, a little bit of thyme and seasoning and a few other bits and bobs they're all things that people should have yeah not should have but they probably will have in their kitchen i mean they're going to have them in their kitchen so it's really fail safe as far as they don't need to go out and invest in in lots of little jars of this that and the other that they're going to use a teaspoon of or a tablespoon of it's stuff that they have already and then like i say once they've got that then they'll they'll carry on and they'll be a bit more intrigued to do more and that's a great thing about one of our sponsors which is barbecue gourmet uk who actually they they sell like the uh the championship winning sort of rubs and spices and stuff from the US, they import them all from the US and actually sell them in the UK and European markets. So if you actually did want to venture into that side of things, they actually sell a lot of these sort of uh, already made and, and proven sort of rubs and stuff, which is which is pretty cool. I want to yeah. just let you quickly, because ha- we've talked about the website, we've talked about contacting you on, on social medias. Can you run off your social medias and website quickly? And we'll do it at the end again anyway, but just in case anyone wants to get on there as they're listening and start uh, reading through some recipes. My website is uh, www.richardholdenbbq.com. Uh, dead straightforward. Um, there's a blog on there and, and all sorts of um, information about upcoming events where I'm going to be for demonstrations and cooking classes. The public ones, if, if, um, if people want to book a private one, my contact details are on the bottom and they can either contact me on phone or email. Um, as far as Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, I've kept it really simple. They're all R Holden BBQ. So Twitter and Instagram are at R Holden BBQ and my Facebook is just R Holden BBQ as well. So all those three are nice and simple and nice and consistent across the board. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. You've got lots of events already booked in. I can see on your calendar on here. Yeah, I'm uh, fortunate to, to have um, some very, very good customers that I have worked with in the past, um, kind of residual from my Weber days. Um, and I've got, uh, I worked with them last year in 2015 and they've rebooked me for this year. So people like a lot of names of people in the barbecue side of things will already have heard of, but Riverside in Hertfordshire, um, the guys up in Hayes, Ambles- Hayes Garden World in Ambleside, and then Jay over at, um, at Olsen Garden Centre in Essex. Um, and I can't think of any other events that are on there at the moment, but there's, there's 
I don't I don't put the private ones up there because it's not relevant. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. But last year, last year you did the is it the big the big festival and uh, grill yeah. stock? Did you do grill stock yeah. last year? Yeah. I didn't do grill stock. Um, I did the big festival under the. I was I was um, I was asked back by Weber to do the big festival. Jamie Oliver's big festival at the Cots in the Cotswolds on Alex James's farm. Um, yeah, we went out there and we did a we did three days of hands-on barbecue workshops. Uh, I think we put about six hundred people through half-hour workshops over the three days, and uh, wow. we had um, we had. There's a video on my Facebook somewhere of the queue forming every morning. Um, Barbecue does that though. Uh, barbecue uh, just gets people going. Like people yeah. are drawn to it. The smell of that, the charcoal, the smell of the smoke. It just has yeah. that sort of like. I don't know it has that effect. You just have people queuing up. I always see it like when like there's you're at a street food market or something like that, and someone's got a barbecue going. I definitely have, I but you always see people I think drawn. A natural, I think there's a natural curiosity, and, and as we all know, whenever there's a you know whenever you're at somebody's home for a barbecue, it's. No, when there isn't a barbecue, people congregate in the kitchen, and when there is a barbecue, people congregate around the barbecue. So I think if you go to an event or you're in a street market, like you say, and there's barbecues on the go, there's, there's just a natural gravity towards the barbecue to see what's going on. Definitely. It's true, and it? It's just the way it is, I think. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Going back to like rubs and stuff, so you you tend to make a lot of your own rubs, obviously in your in your recipes and stuff. Do do you have any? Do you use any commercial rubs at all, or, or are you like a strictly like you make your own everything and that way you know what goes into it and stuff like that? Um, I use some rubs. It depends. Um, if I am, I guess, I guess if I'm at a retailer's and they have their own line of rubs, or they have a rub in store that they want to have people taste then i would use some of the pre-made rubs um but again going back to what i was saying earlier on i i I do make my own rubs partly so that i know what goes into them but also so that i know um i'm using ingredients that are quite typical so herbs and spices herbs and spices are quite typical um and then again you can show people how a rub goes together you can talk to them about the basics and and then help them understand how they can actually start to put their own together if they want to do that. So that moves me on nicely to sort of like brining and, and injecting and stuff like that. Do you do, you do a lot of uh, brining or do you use brines no, a lot? Not, not really? I have. I've done it more for personal cook. Um, it's One of the difficulties with public demonstration is the time frame that you've got yeah. to work with yeah um which you know you mentioned earlier on when you went to i think you said fermois and you saw one of the weather demonstrations that mm. was, it was it wasn't necessarily the american style of barbecue there's, a, there's, there's another reason for that is you just can't create that food in the time frame that you've got no um and you also typically you don't go you don't have the time to pre-make any of those ingredients before you go uh, when I do my demonstrations and I incorporate ribs, I do actually cook them off the day before so that the session in the morning um, have ribs to taste because it's quite unfair to do the prep and the cooking and everything else and then say, sorry, guys, you don't get to taste these because you came to the morning session. But you got to see the prep and that's all, you know. <laughs> um, so so I would I would cook off some ribs in the, uh, the day before. And, Here's and some I made earlier. <laughs> yeah. So that, so that the morning session can have a taste, they can see the prep and they can have a taste, and then the afternoon session, they get to taste them as I'm well. I'm jealous, so. I've always wanted to say that. Here's some I made earlier. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice little Lukita moment. Yeah. <laughs> so do you go out to many like barbecue restaurants and stuff like that? 
What you do you uh, like I, to I, visit I, the barbecue restaurant? I do. Um, I, I do when I get a chance to. It's nice that I get to travel around the country and you get to go to these places where, where barbecue restaurants are and it is nice to go check some out. Um, I was over in um, I was over in Harrogate at the weekend to see some friends and we went to a little um, went to a place called Christians just south of Harrogate that they wanted to take me to and it's it's not necessarily barbecue but they do have an outside cooking area and they do I think they do try and inspire some of their menu using the outside cooking techniques but yeah it's it's not it's not something that I get to do a lot of but because you know you kind of driving from I'm Nobody needs to get the violins out. It's fine, but you know, driving from early in the morning, working We're not, all day, and then driving we're jealous. Um, you know, you, sometimes it's a it's a motorway service, a sandwich, and a bag of crisps on the way home. But it's it's all good. You get to eat the um, you get to eat the crumbs that are left after everybody's tasted the the food that you cooked in the demo. Um, so I don't keep one rack back and have a barbecue. Spare. So yeah, sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. Yeah, but um, no. I, I have to remind myself that I get to go to work every day and have a barbecue, so yeah. life is good. Yeah, <laughs> and you're also doing a bit of catering. So, what what would the typical menu uh, for you be? Is it is it like you're talking about? Is it is it like mainly sort of British barbecue, or or do you have an element of uh, American sort of barbecue in there as well, or, or is it a custom menu? What what do you what's your sort of standard it, thing? It depends on the client. It depends what they want. Um, you know. All menus are created for the event, so there's, there's, there's the bespoke nature of them. Typically, British barbecue, although um, I will generally put a couple of menu suggestions together. One is your traditional burger, sausages, kebabs, steaks, things like that. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but then my, my kind of plan B is things like a, a, a butterfly leg of lamb or um, you know some nice seafood, some whole roasted sea bass and things like that. Um, and generally, by doing something like that, you you pique an interest um but it depends on the situation so in the in july i've got um i've got a, a barbecue for the day after a wedding and they're doing a they're doing a garden party barbecue so they want sausages burgers and and, and kebabs so it's it's whatever the customer wants within you know depending i think on there's the nothing wrong with that i some i mean i go sometimes yeah. and just cook burgers or cook mm. sausages and yeah. just have hot dogs and stuff and we like strive yeah. to make the ultimate burger don't we? it's like yeah. the, the quest yeah. in life is to make the best burger possible like, it's quite nice to go back to like your roots and just like that is what mm. we all probably started doing like uh, the original barbecue in the UK and there's nothing wrong I, I, I quite like it it's quite sort of natural and just go yeah, back to every now and again strip it all back and my just go for something simple ages to make it's, yeah. like, it's not just a burger <laughs> anymore it takes longer no, than it does to do burger. everything you've else got to think about, you've got to think about your seasonings and your toppings and what are you going to yeah what meat are you going to mince to put into it it's Absolutely. like there's so what many mixes things. what are you going to use yeah sides that yeah. go with it it's just like actually you, sometimes you say to someone let's do a burger but actually like the <laughs> amount of effort that goes into it like, it's just well, crazy. Talk, <laughs> yeah, you talk about the effort. We did a going back to George. We did a photo shoot back in February, and, and I put on the menu that I wanted to do. A, I put on the running order that I wanted to do a burger. Mm. George just said we don't have time to do a burger. We'll do a burger in like on the third or the fourth photo shoot. But do you realise how much time it takes to actually put together the shot of a of the perfect burger? Really? So uh, <laughs> yeah, it just takes quite a lot of uh, prep. So we we just. We we parked the burger photo for now, so unfortunately there isn't a burger recipe coming anytime soon. But um, there's there's lots of other things in the meantime. But uh, yeah, burgers burgers are you know there's a lot of pride goes into burgers, and you go to a competition like Grill Suck, and they have a burger category, and you know there's, there's a, a burger category in the World Food Championships in Vegas. I mean, yeah, yeah. 
It's so it's the it's yeah. <coughs> I had an amazing burger. Again, it's 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 the memories that go around food, isn't it? It's um, you know, if I think if you ask, I'm I'm kind of thinking of Heston at the moment. He said that he got his love of food because he was on holiday in the south of France and they were out at this restaurant and there was they were on an outside terrace and they had the waterfall and it was it just made the food so much more than it it possibly was if it was just eaten in a white room with no scenery and no sound. And I think when you eat food, it, it conjures up images of, of something that might have gone before. So a burger, you know, everybody's had a burger at some point in their life and it just conjures up that image. Um, so getting that right is, it, it can be quite tricky, not, not to overcomplicate it, but it's, you know, there's a lot of build up to a good burger. Definitely. I really it's, it's like oversold the, the burger right now. <laughs> no, <laughs> nah, no, massive. I love, love burgers so much. <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah, I do. I'm just just thinking about this. I think we're all having a burger moment. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I'm just thinking about my, one of my favourite ones probably when I went to Barbacoa, um, Jamie Oliver's barbecue restaurant yeah. in London, mm-hmm. and it was 25 quid for a burger, but it's still up there as close to one of the best burgers I've ever had. And I've like, Every always, element of that burger yeah. would have been the best it could be. Yeah, it was like truffles in it and all sorts of stuff in it. You just think like everything about this burger has been like so thought through that yeah. it's like the perfect piece on the plate. And it felt a bit crazy like going all that way to a restaurant going, I'll just have a burger. But but it wasn't just a burger. It was like an amazing burger. Yeah. Well, I, I, lived, out in, um, I lived out in Canada for seven years and my sister lives over there as well. And, and we would actually, when we went to a new restaurant, we would judge a place. We would We would benchmark a restaurant or something based on their burger. Yeah. So that would, you know, because if, if, if you can't get a burger right, yeah. not to, again, not to kind of say that a burger is really simple, but if you, if you just pass over a burger, don't put care and attention into it. So we would actually order the burger in a really nice restaurant just to see how they did it. Mm. I like that. That's a cool method. I like that method. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was kind of our benchmark. At least one of us would have the burger and then we would share. Mm. But I'm terrible to go out for dinner with because I will never have the same as anybody else and I want to share and I want to swap. <laughs> Sounds like my girlfriend. Yeah. I'm like, I, oh. <laughs> I'm like, whatever I order, she's like, oh, I'm like, what do you want? She's like, well, what are you having? And I'm like, that doesn't matter what I'm having. I mean, like, <laughs> whatever you're not having, whatever you're not having, yeah. and normally something that you don't want. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, can I like, have it extra hot, please? Yeah, I won't say that I won't have. You know, I want to know what you're. It's just like let's make sure we get a good selection of everything off the menu so we can we can do a yeah. fair assessment of. Of the menu and, and yeah, don't get me wrong. I want to try your food. I just don't want anyone to try my food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that can be the problem. <laughs> when you think you've got the best dish on the table. So, when it comes to like smoking foods, do you have a favourite <laughs> smoking wood? Uh, yes, and yes, I um, just when I was talking about food memories and invoking things, uh, my first, I think my first one of my first recollections, one of my first recollections of barbecue was um and i know exactly when it was it was july 2000 and no it wasn't it was july 1997 uh we were in we went to canada for holiday and we went to the calgary stampede and we which is a massive rodeo they call it the great the world's greatest outdoor show on earth and um they had the they have the 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 kind of food area and the midway and everything and there was this great big trailer smoker great big horizontal uh, trailer set smoker and they were doing hickory smoked brisket and you smelt it before you saw the stand and we had to have one because my far my my family's background my both of my parents backgrounds farming 
and I worked in the butchers, so beef is very prominent. We always had roast beef on a Sunday. If we had chicken, we thought we'd done something wrong. But um, if um, so, we smelt this thing, and then we had to have one of these uh, hickory smoked brisket sandwiches, and it was just to die for. So hickory for me is one of those things that harks me back to a, a first experience, a first encounter of barbecue. But I also really enjoy the whiskey um, smoke that you can get with the different whiskey chips that are out there. Yeah. Uh, you get the depth of flavor from the, the wood itself and then a really nice sweetness from the whiskey that's imparted into the chip, obviously in the life of the, the, the cask and it's doing its job. So those are my two favorites, really. I got a little sneak preview when I was there at ProQ headquarters and uh, yeah. they've got, they're just about to release a, 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 a sorry, a whiskey a whiskey uh, oak barrel wood and uh, Mm -hmm. literally they opened up the bag and I I had I put my nose in and it felt like it got me drunk (laughs) straight away it was like because it's I mean they're using a a single malt whiskey uh, barrel and it's it's like the flavor that's got in there they've been in there for for years and it's it's like that product's coming out soon and I was I was blown away by it I've never Never opened. A, so I mean, you, there are loads on the market. Mm. These whiskey barrels. They smell of it, but that was just like yeah. the next. Honestly, level, yeah, I, I opened this up and I felt like I was drunk after sniffing it. It was, it was incredible. It's like you've yeah. just got. A, do you know when you freshly poured a glass of, of whiskey and like you, you hold yeah. it up to your nose and take a breath? It was genuinely like that. They had captured that flavour in the wood, and, and I'm really looking forward to giving that a try and using it. So, so yeah, that's something cool coming well, out I, soon. When I when I do a course and we use whiskey, I pass the the container around that I soak the chips in, and just get people to smell it. And, you know, sometimes people, you have to kind of, you, you look at sometimes when people are having a sniff of it and you have to say, you don't drink it. <laughs> it just smells like you say, it just has that aroma. And you just, and one of the misconceptions is that you soak these chips in whiskey. No, um, no. Once had somebody say that they did that and then, yeah, no. <laughs> so, um, that they lasted yeah, longer. They <laughs> had a slight incident on their charcoal barbecue, shall we say. Um, but, yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, the smell of it is just incredible. So those are my two favourite wood chips, mm. wood flavours. Yeah, definitely. So when we were off air, well, you gave us a little bit of a, an insight into uh, some activities with Traeger coming up. So can you uh, enlighten us a little bit more? Can you uh, give us some inside knowledge there? <clears throat> well, um, yeah, I um, ever since starting up my own business, I've been, I want to just get more into the out- outdoor cooking and, um, you know, there was there was quite a bit of what 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 equipment's he going to use, and, and is he going to use the Weber? And, and yes, I was always going to use the Weber because it's what I know and it's my strength. And but I, I want to be, I want to have a full understanding of the equipment that's out there on the market. And um, there's a new there's a new company or an agent for Traeger in the UK, and they're bringing them in. And um, they actually have their roots in the meat business as well for a couple of generations. And they contacted me because they're talking to people like. Um, Ian at Hayes and Russell at Riverside as well as a few other retailers and uh, both of these two customers said we use Richard Holden for our demos so if you want to do demos you got to talk to him so um, I got I got a phone call from from Mike and um, I was asked for a meeting and um, I was I left the meeting with a Traeger and a a couple of bags of pellets and um, they arranged for a, a whole pork shoulder and a whole brisket to be dropped off somewhere convenient and um and yeah so looking at the pellet smoker which is a new product for the uk and it's a new type of uh, product so i don't think anybody else has got a pellet smoker um and just been you know reading up on it and asking about it and there's um there's a team out of canada 
uh, Danielle uh, of DivaQ, she she has a, an affiliation with Traeger, and I've been talking to her as well uh, and getting her insight in it. And then um, very kindly and very generously, Mike and the team at Alfresco have um, asked me if I would take some time out and take a trip over to Salt Lake City where the company's based and do some kind of get immersed in the culture and understand what the company's about and the product's about and, and learn more about them so that when we come back, um, I can do some help them with some demonstrations and Ah, if you need any help with that trip, uh, just let us know. We will come and we can carry your bags or <laughs> eat your food, whatever you want. <laughs> Give you massages and stuff like that. We, you we, can we do can. that. I'm fine. So, uh, what you're yeah. a guy that's fairly open to uh, sort of your fuels and stuff like that. How have you found using the Traeger so far? Then, um, really, really straightforward. Um, you know, you put your pallets in the hopper, and you. For anybody that doesn't know, it's it's electric powered, but the electricity powers the um, kind of small built-in inboard computer which controls the temperature and the temperature built-in thermometer alters the speed of the auger in the bottom. So you, it looks like an offset smoker where you've got the drop-down, um, what would be the smoke box, but instead you put your wood chip, your wood pellets. And in the bottom of there is an auger-fed system that goes into the bottom of the actual barrel, the main part of the cooker, and um, it goes into the fire pot. And then there's a, there's a heat, a hot rod in there that, that burns these uh, virgin wood wood pellets and creates heat and smoke. And all you, I mean, it's really simple. It's it's all dials. So you literally plug it in and you set the temperature based on a dial on the front of the uh, control panel. And some of the other ones have two options for the inbuilt temperature probes. So instead of having um, a, a, an aftermarket temperature probe that you plug in and it talks to some device or whatever you actually get two that are built into the barbecue and it will beep you when you when you've reached your target temperature or when you're approaching really really simple just put your food on it's a ma- it's one massive indirect cooking area but um there are applications for some direct cooking as well um really straightforward John from Grillstocks, but he he was recently sent a, a Green Mountain Grill, one of the Davy Crockett's, which are uh, pellet pellet cookers similar to the Traeger ones, and uh, he was saying, yeah, something quite quite nice actually about it, just being able to just set it off and and leave it like a like an oven or something, and just come back to it in a few hours time and having like that smoky yeah. smoky goodness still. Yeah, yeah, it smokes all the way through. So because obviously it's, it's fueled and it, you get the heat from the wood pellets, and obviously they give off an amount of smoke as you're as you're cooking and going through um there is a smoke setting on it so you can get a, a, an intense amount of smoke at the beginning but um you know talking to danielle of diva q she and I, I i would wonder whether this is partly because she is a female but she said that in her demos the traeger actually attracts a lot of female attention because and i've got to be careful how i say this because i'm not trying to say what people might think i'm trying to say it's it, it is like an oven and it is really straightforward and you just put your food on, and I'm aware that some people are going to tweet in now and tell me off for saying something like that. But um, she said that it's attracting a lot of female people, to, female cooks, to the outside outside barbecue sphere of cooking because it has a lot of, you know, functionality in terms of how you control the temperature and everything. It's, it's the same as cooking inside. And she would say that, you know, she she's got she's got young kids and no problem sending them out, turning young kids kind of 10 and 11 whatever no problem sending them out they know what setting to put the the dial to they put the food on they put the lid down and it's it's really straightforward 
Have you, what, where does, what's it like when it comes to cleaning that? Because that must be some, more similar to like an oven now because you're not going to get your fire up and burn off inside, are you? You've just got a no, smoke stream you've running got, through. So um, is it just building up inside? Do you have to clean it? No, you've... Well, um, yeah, you've got um, you've got the, the fire pot in the centre and I'm, I'm, I need to know more about it, but from what I've seen, uh, you've got the fire pot in the bottom and then above that you've got uh, you've got a baffle that kind of spreads the heat left and right and then above that you've got um you've basically got an angled piece of metal that sits underneath the cooking grate that slopes down to the opposite end of the cooker from the pellet hopper and that creates your indirect cooking zone so there's like a one inch gap all the way around the outside of that so the the air can circulate but it creates an indirect cooking zone and that slightly angled piece of metal allows all the fats and the juices to drain off to the opposite end and then there's a little channel that goes out through a little pipe and into a bucket a nice little traeger branded bucket that sits on the opposite end of your cooker and just picks up all the fat but one of the tips that i've picked up is that you just line that thing with you line that large tray with foil and then every two or three cooks you just take it off and reline it with foil and then carry on again Mm -hmm. but but largely it just it just um it just self self um you know gravity just takes the grease away yeah. and the as far as the ash in the bottom there's like hardly anything left in there because they just burn pretty much 100 percent. cool so what your your initial feedback is you really like it really simple to use really effective i, I took it up to scout camp actually back in january in february i helped some friends out with scout camp every year and we went up to Scotland and I took it and I did the brisket on it on the Saturday and I did the pulled pork, well, Friday night, Saturday, and I did the pulled pork shoulder on it on the Saturday, Sunday. Really straightforward, really simple, really nice smoke ring, really nice flavour, kept it nice and juicy, really great product. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, Looking forward to hearing more. Yeah, definitely. <coughs> Me too. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got a trip out of it as well, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, we are, we are at our hour mark. And I am going to okay. have to call that a day. But if okay. you could just quickly run through again where people can find you. Um, online, I am at richardholdenbbq.com. And on social media, on Facebook, I'm rholdenbbq. And Twitter and Instagram, I'm at rholdenbbq as well. And on the bottom of, my, on the bottom of every web page is my email address and my telephone number. So there's no excuse. <laughs> the only thing that's missing off there is the old school snail mail address. Um, but, you know, if you want a quick response, just social media or phone me or email me. I'm awesome. happy to chat. That's it now. You've, you've opened yourself up to all sorts. Uh, but thank you very much, mate, for coming on. It's been great chatting to you. Thanks for Loved inviting it. me. It's been yeah, a thanks. And maybe after you've uh, you've done your Traeger, Traeger trip and stuff like that and uh, spent some time with DVQ, maybe we'll get you back on and, and that would be awesome to have another chat with you. Love to. Love to. Awesome. Thank, Thank you very much, mate. Cheers, Rich. Very honoured. Thank you. Cheers, Take mate. Care. Cheers, Thanks. Bro. Bye. Thanks for in, guys. We've recorded yet another awesome podcast to get you over hump day. As always, we're brought to you by ProQ, Barbecue Gourmet, and Smokewood Shack, our awesome sponsors. ProQ is dedicated to providing you with quality smoking products with top-notch service and free advice for beginners to pitmasters. And you can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under ProQ Smokers. Barbecue Gourmet is devoted to promoting real barbecue and supplying the UK and Europe with top championship winning barbecue rubs, sauces, marinades and accessories from the US and around the world. And you can find them on Twitter and online under Barbecue Gourmet. And uh, Smokewood Shack, they deliver quality smoking wood every time. They provide the smoky goodness and you provide the talent. 
So if you're looking for smoking wood chunks, dust, chips or planks, then head over to smokewoodshack.com and you can find them on Twitter at smokewoodshack. So goodbye from me and... Goodbye from me. See you next time, guys. Cheers.